Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. I'm Kelly Musher Collins with the Diocese of Des Moines. On today's show, we're visiting with John Baker, a farmer and member of Holy Spirit Parish in Creston. After his older brother, Paul Baker, passed away about a month ago, the entire community pulled together to harvest all of Paul's fields. He's going to tell us all about it, but first, let's find out what's on the bishop's mind. Hello, Kelly. Good morning. Good to be together. We've yes. The whole month of November has flown by, and here mm. we are concluding the first week of Advent already. Uh, oh, wow. For many our favorite season, and uh, on a more uh, secular level. Kind of glad as a fellow Cyclone fan that the football season That's is correct. over. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that I'm sure Matt was... Campbell and his and his team will get it together. But my, it was, oh, it that was... was sad, and he looked sad in the video I saw. Oh yeah, so but uh, we know so much is poured into that. <laughs> Poor but, guy. Uh, but you get to play the games, and that itself That's is right. a consolation too, as well. And I hope uh, you and all our listeners and Spirit Catholic Radio, Iowa Catholic Radio Network. We're able to give thanks and find reason for thanks mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving last week uh, as we come together. I must admit, and I know, you know, many reasons to feast and the traditional meal, which uh, we were able to have together as a pastoral center staff. But uh, going up to uh, Waterloo, Iowa to see my uh, uncle and my mom's brother, my mom was with him. My brother David brought us up there, too. But the timing after mass at the cathedral <laughs> didn't work out that there were no restaurants open. Yeah. And even the place where he lives, Monsignor Symington, my uncle. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, so let's just say on Thanksgiving Day, I was having gas station sushi for my Thanksgiving Yum. meal and a slice of pizza. So, so whatever God supplies, you know, we should That's be grateful right. Right? in that way. So it's not quite a Christmas story eating in the Chinese restaurant, right. but, you know, in that way. So uh, we'll, we'll long remember that. But uh, savoring being able to be together, of course, is the most important thing, too, as I was able to appreciate the chance to be with the good people of St. Patrick and Dunlap. Uh, they've renovated their church. They did a marvelous job under the leadership of, of Father Joel McNeil, and uh, we could celebrate with them and bless that space. It's there. I think the, uh, the enhancements are going to last for decades in a very mm-hmm. stunning way, and I think just bringing it to life. Uh, the orange carpet is gone, so you know, <laughs> so that seventies flashback. Right. That many had. Yes, we had that in our house growing up. <laughs> I don't think Father Joel was selling uh, squares of it for for an appropriate donation, unlike bricks as well. And then last weekend, uh, the long-awaited education center, St. Mary's Parish in Hamburg. Mm-hmm. After that, community has been through so much with the flooding, and then of mm-hmm. course, like all of us, the pandemic. And the rising costs. This is a long envisioned thing. They've been having their faith formation in the former rectory, which they had to tear down after the flood mm-hmm. over a century old. And so the the people coming together, uh, their great commitment that uh, was translated into their material support. But then the solidarity of the entire diocese, where 11 parishes in particular made significant pledges mm-hmm. to help them realize their goal. And so uh, it's come together in a very good way. The leadership of Father Tom Takadi Param. Uh, that community, uh, but their own leadership. So may the the young people flourish. I did kind of in my homily reflect with them that, uh, you know, yes, we want to provide the the spaces, the houses for the church, the house of the church. Uh, But we don't see this as, again, just a kind of way of by bricks and mortar, we kind of hunker down, we provide that institutional footprint. We always want to be a church that evermore is decentralized. The parish is still the founding basis of the community of faith. But at the same time, our encounters have to go out where people are to listen to them, their life story. And so not to see this as 
This is a way of consolidating our parish, ensuring you know, the life of the parish. That will be you know, in accord with the spirit and the way that we continue to be creative, that we speak to our young people. We provide them those encounters with the living Jesus that they get to know him, his love and his friendship. And then we want to know more. We want to learn. I want to know him whom I have loved. And uh, I think as Paul, St. Paul says, so I think that's where uh, those people, I think, get, get that. And I think that evangelical missionary spirit that we want all our parishes to have. And I think, you know, the, the education center will be one facet of that, but it's not the, the sum of it in that way. So uh, again, we bless those people and we're grateful for them. Uh, and as we look forward to speaking with Mr. Baker to kind of hear how someone else who was a pillar of a parish who left a la- lifetime uh, legacy. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarans strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop, priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsarah.org, joinserra.org. Thank you, Sarans, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Would you like to get more involved as a volunteer? Intervisions Healthcare empowers at-risk women facing an unplanned pregnancy to make life-affirming decisions. But our nursing staff can't do it alone. Our unplanned pregnancy clinic seeks dedicated advocates, receptionists, and nursing volunteers to meet the needs of hundreds of at-risk patients we see each year. If you are a people person who wants to help moms with unplanned pregnancies, contact us today at 515-440-2273 or visit IVHcare.org. Welcome back to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. On today's show, we're visiting with John Baker. He's a farmer and member of Holy Spirit Parish in Creston. John's older brother, Paul, recently passed away. The entire community pulled together to harvest all of Paul's fields. John is going to tell us all about it in the wonderful Creston community. Good morning, Mr. Baker. John, if I may call you that, this is Bishop Johnson, and uh, appreciate you spending time with us here uh, to talk a little bit about your brother, but maybe just kind of give us a sense of the whole uh, community and, and why, you know, this kind of spirit and bond that uh, they stepped up when it was uh, you know, a moment of need. Uh, the story caught some attention in the Des Moines Register and has been in our Catholic Mirror, but we want our listeners in the Spirit Catholic Radio and Iowa Catholic Radio Networks to kind of have a chance to hear it from your perspective uh, about your brother. Our condolences to you on his death. Um, he didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare, right, receiving the news that he had cancer. This all kind of transpired very quickly, didn't it? Yes, very quickly. He uh He'd been feeling a little down for about the last month, but uh, uh, was still involved in everything we were doing. Because uh, I actually called him this Saturday morning. They took him to the emergency room to have him come help me move a green table, and uh, that's when uh, they took him out to the hospital. Okay. And uh, it was at that point uh, they diagnosed the cancer, and then there was very little that they could offer him, uh, apparently, for yes. any kind of therapy. Yes. So, yeah. And he had just celebrated his uh, wedding anniversary, his 46th wedding well, anniversary, to Lynn a, f- a little few days before? They all know it was actually two days after he passed away when their anniversary was. Okay. All right. So... 45 years and on the cusp of 46, yes. but uh, the chance to yes. be together. So, yes. Yeah. How's Lynn doing to these days? Uh, 
she's surprisingly well. You know, it's it's tough on her, but uh, surprisingly well. She's got a lot of things on her mind right now since having to get things around on the rest of the farm. And, and uh, of course, everybody's trying to step in and help, too. Okay. And so then to celebrate Thanksgiving, obviously, was different this year with Paul's absence. She. She had her she had her whole family with her. Uh, uh, Paul and Lynn had two daughters. Uh, one lives in Iowa City. The other one actually moved back two years ago uh, with her husband back to uh, within a mile of Paul and Lynn, and uh, they're all the, the whole family was back for Thanksgiving. What a grace to be together, and how providential is it, Meredith, that uh, she was back. For all of this, so yeah, yes, yeah, good. Um, you, you know, farmers, the, the, the kind of ethic you're there. You both raised on the farm. Uh, were you, you know, your your man? You had other siblings. You've indicated to me uh, also uh, lost a sister through a car accident uh, uh, when she was younger. Um, well, you know, did the brothers all get along? And was this a collaborative venture with your dad, or was there the, the kind of normal back and forth, and maybe some of the fraternal rivalries and, and uh, you know challenges that that? Oh, uh, it was a normal brother situation. Uh, it never ever come to fisticuffs, if you know what I mean. But <laughs> but we we we'd have arguments, but. Somehow, shape, or form, we made things work. Uh, we actually grew up seven miles south of town of Crescent, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, four of my dad's brothers all live within a mile of each other, and all of them farmed. Beautiful. And uh, and to this day, I've got. Uh, it was brother Paul and myself, and I had a cousin Jim and a cousin Roger, both first cousins. We all lived in what we kind of call Bakerville down there to start with, and uh, we all farmed. Uh, my cousin Jim passed away three years ago at the age of 65, and uh, it's got a Roger and I now, my other cousin. Okay, so well, it's good that the brothers can... Uh cooperate and uh, work and play in unity. Uh, So, Paul, uh, was he always, you know, the family growing up, was faith always a part of it, or was this kind of a later development for him that the faith became more important? Oh, no. As long as I can remember. As long as I can remember. uh, I'm kind of the, I don't know, I don't know if you call it the outspoke or what you call it, but Paul, any time father would call Paul would be the one to go help out with things. He'd call me up. He said, can you cover this? And I said, sure. You just go do what you need to do. Okay. Well, he couldn't have done that without you stepping in to, to fill the well, void. Well, I too. know, but... Yeah. You're, you're, not, you're not blowing your own horn here. I get it. So. No, okay. I am not blowing my own horn. Yeah. So, but uh, but the the faith and the you know, mass and things that was all part of the the picture, or just kind of oh, yeah. you know, just kind of there in Bakerville. That, huh? that was part of his, that was part of his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you his. Know, every, go ahead, please. Go ahead. Everybody's got their own deal. Uh, mine's always been, I'd rather be at home taking care of what I need to be taken care of. And he knew I could do it. So uh, 
he would take care of what he needed to take care of. Okay, so kind of a fraternal understanding between the two of you. you yeah. Yeah. Or so. So, uh, uh, active in the faith, uh, you know, the story is told of you two uh, kind of changing the lights in Holy Spirit uh, Parish there in Creston and uh, getting up there, you're ris- uh, risking life and limb, <laughs> you know, our, our risk management policy. I don't know if that uh, counts for that, but thank you. <laughs> well, that's just, that was something, if the priest needed something physically done, he knew to get a hold of Paul, and Paul knew who to get a hold of to get things done. Okay. Oh, that marvelous Midwestern get-her-done mentality. So yes, that's yes. Yeah. Well, and that's what really was manifested then as, as Paul died. Uh, word spread, I imagine, that he was sick, but it was almost probably caught a lot of people off guard that because he died so quickly after the diagnosis. Is that right? Or uh... Yes, yes. The one that surprised me, Paul went in on a Saturday morning to the emergency room. Uh, well... I still had a lot of hope, a lot of things. You know, you didn't know what was going on at the time. Uh, I was combining beans, and uh, the day, two days before Paul passed away, one of my neighbors showed up, and I probably could have been done combining beans that night, be late, but uh, he showed up and wouldn't take no for an answer. He wanted to run some beans to help me get done, and uh, otherwise I wouldn't spend all day out at the hospital uh, and spend the time that I'd need to do with Paul. So it actually started before anything really happened. Okay. So people were attuned to, you know, how could you be present if, you know, it's crunch time when it comes to the harvest and you had to get those beans out. Yes. So, yeah, so the, that uh, that uh, spirit of charity and the, and the works of mercy that uh, allowed to perform at that point. Because so, these are what? These are 18 to plus hour days that you're working when it's harvest time? Oh, a lot of days, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, bean harvest usually doesn't start real early in the morning because of... Uh, dew or fog or because beans got to be in a certain moisture to run and that's real critical corn's a little different but uh when you can run you run as hard as possible okay yeah so the, the, they're not going away and so to get that there no. so a, after no. his death and then the father patrick amadeka the the uh, pastoral administrator there at holy spirit creston the church was packed uh with their oh, yeah. visitation so. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> well, uh, I've been to a lot of funerals, but uh, I don't think I've been to one that big. Okay. And was the visitation in the church, or was it somewhere else? No, the visitation was at Power Shield Rome. Uh, we got there, oh, approximately, oh, I'm going to say 4.30 and at night and there was a constant steady line coming through and uh Paul was always particular about being on time. Seven o'clock was rosary. Lynn said Paul wants a rosary at seven o'clock. We ended up walking back through the line through the deal. There were people that didn't get to come up front. 
to, to offer their condolences to you and your family. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, and a spiritual sacrifice there, but they were they yes. they were there, and I think that's we think yes. in November yes. and, and burying the dead and all that that entails. So I think our, our Catholic yes. sensibilities are very present in that as well. So uh, you commended him to the Lord, and then uh, then it was okay. The the beans are still waiting then, and the corn. So uh, how did folks come together for this? Was, were you the crew chief, or was someone else? Uh, no, no, I really wasn't. It was it was uh, close neighbors. Um, they actually wanted to start immediately after they uh, uh, the death of Paul, and we put them off until the day I think it was the day I can't remember now, a day or two after the funeral. Um, we all sat down uh, just out in the yard. It was a beautiful day. We all just sat down. Oh, there was probably eight or ten of us, and everybody was a farmer. We also had a good friend that's helped us for years. He was involved, uh, kind of set up. Uh, we had people calling, you know, offering combines, trucks, grain buggies, whatever need to be done. Uh, we had one gentleman who's done this for another neighbor who was also Catholic that died at a young age too and we'd all ended up going over and helping with him and uh, he had set that up before and we kind of let him be in charge and kind of made it uh, we don't all farm in one area so we kind of made it in five different groups okay wow yeah and I heard the number at one point that almost 25 combines and 38 tractors helped with that harvest that people that yes. Did they interrupt their own harvest to do this, or was everyone? Oh, every, yes. Most most gentlemen were just about like us, either close to done with beans or done with beans, and uh, just starting the corn. And uh, there was actually combines. They weren't supposed to be till, there till the next morning. There's actually combines and stuff showing up the night before, being ready to go just as soon as daylight broke. Okay. Okay. Well, it sounds like quite a organizational feat here, you know. I mean, there's no air traffic control tower or anything, right? Are you not no, sending no, drones no. out to uh, kind of monitor where people are, right? If you've ever worked with a farmer, <laughs> they do have a way of planning, getting an idea what everybody needs to do. And And my biggest concern the night before was we've got steel drop inlets. We've got trees. We're going to have more than one combine in a field at a time. Nobody hurting anything. Nothing breaking down, nothing happened. We had two minor little breakdowns, and just like the gentleman told us, one had a oil leak on a hose on a combine. He said that would have happened no matter where we are at. And another one, an air brake line broke on a truck. And that would have happened no matter what. Otherwise, nothing happened. Well, that's remarkable. Praise God. So, so you, a farmer really has to know his or her field, right? I mean, you have to. Uh, oh, yeah, because yeah, you gentlemen know, never, these gentlemen never been in our fields. Okay, so to know what the pitfalls are and the things, yeah, yes, the, 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 yes, the nuances too. So, wow. And so, did, how long did it take then? Once everyone went to it? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I feel terrible. I stayed at our local 
Gavlon, which is where we distributed the grain. And I figured somebody needed to be there because there was coming off five different farms. Mm-hmm. I need to keep track of, of uh, tickets. And I got to shake every gentleman, lady's hands that brought a truck, tractor and wagons across the scales. And I worked. Had two wonderful young lady at Gavlon that were, and she's the one that kept track of me. She said, "We got all done." And she said, "John, do you know how many different trucks showed up?" I said, "No, I don't, Missy." I says, "She says, well, there's 38 different trucks, and many of them brought two loads in, and some brought three loads in." Wow! Oh, incredible! Wow, that's a, what a tribute. And not everybody's Catholic, right? I mean, this is neighbors. Oh you know, heavens, no! No, there's, there's every denomination. You weren't checking baptismal know. certificates on this. No, no, no. And we were worried about if they were confirmed or not. Wow. Um, I do these... have a story, if you don't mind. Please do. We're, we've got about uh, 40 seconds. We're going to have to take a break, but we'll come back to the break. That could be our teaser okay. then to bring people back if I cut you off here. Well, don't cut me off, but if you will wait, and I'll tell you. Now, were most of these people then uh, folks that uh, Paul uh, would text? Uh, You know, he was renowned for his little flip phone text messages. Were these people who were on the receiving end of those things? They they had that little daily connection? Most most people, Paul texted in the morning. Well, my daughter and son were on it, and uh, mostly they were people that he didn't see all the time. Okay. Okay, so uh, so he was tech savvy enough. Even with his flip phone, he didn't have a contact list to put in. All right, no, so we're going to no. pause there, John, and uh, we okay. got that we got that story waiting. So to hold our listeners, hopefully they'll okay. join us after the break. We're going to take All a quick right, break. Thanks. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarah strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop, priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsarah.org, joinserra.org. Thank you, Sarah, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Hi, this is Matt Wilkham from Iowa Catholic Radio. We hear so many stories from listeners about the impact this station is having on their lives. Like Angela, who says, I listen first thing in the morning because it starts my day on the right foot by hearing the gospel. Friends, in this season of giving, how about offering the gift of hope through Iowa Catholic Radio? To make a tax-deductible donation to our year-end appeal, just click on the banner at iowacatholicradio.com or call 515-223-1150. Thank you for your support. Welcome back to Making a Personal with Bishop Jones, and we are back with John Baker of Holy Spirit Parish in Creston. John, thanks for remaining with us, and we're talking about your older you brother, bet. Paul, but uh, but uh, you said you have a story for us here. <laughs> well, you were talking about uh, other faiths uh, back in the 80s, and you probably heard this, but that was a very tough time in the farming community. Indeed. Uh, we had a little bar, which... Late in the evenings, uh, it's in Cromwell, Iowa. We would uh, stop. You always had a dollar for a draw beer. You'd stop, and <laughs> it was mainly young guys our same age. 
having tough times at the time too. And between sounds like a, a support group, kind of a support group almost. Yeah. Well, it was you needed you needed to unwind. Mm-hmm. But uh, they got to visiting over there. I wasn't over there very much because I lived a little farther uh, on East Town. But Paul was within a mile and a half of this little town. But uh, they had a Methodist church here. The boys got visited one day, and they decided uh, before Easter one year to start having breakfasts downstairs at the Methodist church. Uh, We all get over there about 5 o'clock. We cook up a breakfast. Uh, At 6 o'clock, we... uh, and it's every denomination didn't matter. It was mainly the Methodist boys and the Catholic boys got started. Oh. But uh, ever since. Another step during, forward for ecumenism. That's good. <laughs> yes. But ever since that, we have had on Wednesdays during Lent uh, breakfasts at Cromwell Church. And Paul was one of the instigators. Um he was in charge of, he made coffee, which you ever drank Paul Baker's coffee, a knife would stand up in it. But anyway. <laughs> That's my kind of coffee. <laughs> no, mine looks white. And I don't, cream. Then I'd only have to have two cups in the morning. <laughs> but he, uh, he, uh, he was in charge of getting our speakers. We had a speaker every morning. He'd speak for about 10 minutes. And uh, either we'd have a minister or a priest the last Wednesday of of uh, Lent, and uh, every one of our priests was always involved in it. Oh, that was just a story about you know it wasn't just it wasn't just Catholic faith. Yeah, no, and I think that's a that's a marvelous thing when our communities can kind of transcend some of those denominational. Uh, connections and you know it is one body of Christ after all. So yes. and it sounds like yes. you know Paul truly a man of communion. You know he could he could bring people together whether you know through the media or you know his primitive yes. media or in, in other forms too. And <laughs> yes. uh, you know and I think that's where you know the the, the great turnout at his uh, massive Christian burial and the, and the outpouring of, of love and affection and obviously. We hope that can, that support continues for Lynn as well, too. So uh, we were kind of talking, you know, there in the Creston area, you know, and around the perimeter of it. Iowa Catholic Radio does have now a, a, a tower there and sending its signal. Uh, so you're able to pick that up pretty well. And uh, you, you tell me you tune in on a regular basis. Well, it's kind of Paul's fault. <laughs> um, we've got radios in about every tractor, combine, different things we use. And Brother Paul would get in, and we operated each other's equipment. It was no big deal. And he's, you've always got a punch button for Iowa Catholic Radio. Tremendous. And yes, yes. Okay. so well, And they're going to stay there. <laughs> not just in tribute to him, but uh, no, for the living no, faith of those no. who remain. So, yes. well, we pray eternal rest for him and all who've gone before and our families. But remember that that man who just, I think, both in St. Malachi's School, Holy Spirit Parish, was a man who, who helped others to know that uh, he had their back and that uh, you helped him to, to have that freedom to do that. So grateful to you for your time this morning, John, and blessings to you upon you. And may your family and your farms continue to flourish. Thank you very much. This has been another edition of Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Thank you to our guests and all of our listeners on Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. 
You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by Sarah Vocations Ministry. Learn more at joinserra.org.